on the edge. That's right, Bass Edge Radio, brought to you by MegaWare Keelguard. Protect your watercraft from rocks and road debris. Make sure you look at all their products at keelguard.com. Kurt, we have celebrity status in the house for our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight in today's episode. That's right, Aaron. You're going to find this guy on television. You're going to see him hanging around BASS events. I'm not going to let the worms out of the can, but this is sure to be a good time. Life jackets on, kill switch attached. It's takeoff time on Bass Edge Radio. know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Powerfold is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, Powerfold deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, Powerfold won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Powerfold, swift, silent, secure. Visit Powerfold.com. Find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio. In three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing. Coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. Kurt, as always, glad to be back with you on this uh, July 1st edition of Bass Edge Radio. I'm sure you have all your little snaps and fireworks and fountains. I know you're a big sparkler guy. I like to write your name at night in the dark, watch the smoke trail. You good there? <laughs> oh, you're making me snort with that one. I love it, Aaron. That's great. Me and the sparklers, always excited. And speaking of July 4th, you think of Independence, all the great things going on. You know, you had your fishing event there, a big... Cedar Lodge, just a few weeks back, brought in all kinds of clients from all over the place, catching some big table rock bass. But at the same time, you had a soldier in, and you were able to provide him a catch of something huge. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, yeah. it's You know, this is something we do every year. I bring in, in uh, my day job, I guess, if you will. I uh, had about 82 clients that converge on Big Cedar. We stay the night. We do kind of a big deal down there, and it's always fun anytime that you can get people out on the water enjoying it. A lot of these people, you know, fish a little bit some don't fish at all some are like you and i kurt where they absolutely love it but uh, for the most part it's all about camaraderie getting together but this year was a little bit different in the fact that at the banquet there on wednesday nights paired up with general leroy cisco of the wounded warrior support foundation him and his team came in and we orchestrated to where you know normally he's the one that goes to all the george Strait concerts and they provide wounded warriors with mortgage-free houses had the opportunity to sit with him on a plane one day and we got to talking and we figured out a way that we could actually do this at the event and unbeknownst to everybody in attendance. So we brought in the family from Arkansas, fantastic family, three kids, and provided them and presented them with the keys to their brand new house for their service and just all the sacrifices that they've made. Probably one of the most hands down rewarding and emotional things that I've ever been a part of. And just want to throw out really a thank you to all of our current past 
veterans, current servicemen and women out there because really their commitment and their sacrifices are why you and I are able to even sit here and have this conversation. Yeah, Bass Edge Radio, a small portion of what they're providing us. I tell you what, you know, what a great time of year to celebrate uh, America's independence. And of course, we wouldn't have that without those soldiers. And uh, awesome story, Aaron, being able to present a family with a mortgage-free home. Kudos to you for coming out with that and the Wounded Warriors Project and everything that's involved. I got to tell you real quick, I've been reading up on the Bass Blaster lately, and uh, I saw a guy recently that caught a 12-pound bass in the state of Mississippi, but the story behind it is what's so awesome. So this guy's working on a project at home and doing some stuff around the house, and he can't quite figure it out. And his wife says, hey, hon, look, you know what you need to do? You need to drop what you're doing, go out, enjoy your passion. He loves to fish. Go out and make some casts and just relax. So he loads up everything, goes out to the local lake there in Mississippi, trying to unwind, relax and everything, and getting ready to call it a day. He's had fun just getting everything off of his mind. Line starts moving off to the right, sets the hook. 12 pounds and change. What? Come on. For real, brother. I mean, dude, I live on Amistad. I've caught some big fish. I've fished Falcon, fished a lot of places. But a 12-pounder, that'll make you forget your problems at the house, huh? Man, I'm going into all this stress reduction the wrong way. Normally, you know, I'm out running or lifting weights or punching a punching bag, you know, or seeing a therapist. I'm going to have to start using that as a little way to tell Diana, hey, you know what? I need to reduce some stress. I'm going fishing. That's right. No doubt about it. And maybe you can catch a 12-pounder just like that guy did. I tell you, you know, the Bass Blaster is such a great little product. You get this email a few times a week, and it tells you great stories like that. also gives you tons of industry news. And uh, you can sign up for that. Just send an email to uh, BassBlaster at BassGold.com, and you can be a part of the action. And speaking of being a part of the action, we're bringing in chemist Mark Niggist. And this product is coming to you from ProtectTheHarvest.com. This is... Your Marine Tech Minute. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Right now, we are silently humming a Tibetan mantra. For this week's introduction to Tech Minute, presented by ProtectTheHarvest.com, as we welcome the all-knowing sage, formerly known as Chemist Mark Negist of Lucas Oil. Mark, Jason from Pine (laughs) Bluff, Arkansas, wants to know, I listened to an earlier episode when you were talking about ethanol. Can you explain the difference in E10, E15, and E85? Does 5% more ethanol really make that much of a difference in gas for my truck or boat? Okay, well, first of all, when you talk about E10, you're talking about 10% ethanol. E15 is 15% ethanol, and E85 is 85% ethanol. And 85% ethanol is typically used in flex fuels. That's really the only application where it can be used. E10 and E15 are what's really in the market today for general use. E10 is a federal mandate to reduce emissions and also as a renewable resource. E15 is out there, but it's voluntary. It's not a federal mandate to be used. And actually, we really don't 
don't recommend using E15 in boating applications. E10 is bad enough, but E15 has a higher percentage of alcohol. With that 5% alcohol, it can absorb more water, so an additional 5% would allow more water to be brought into the fuel. The problem is that the fuel ethanol and water mixture reaches a saturation point, causing the fuel and ethanol phase to separate from the water phase, allowing the water to be in direct contact with metal surfaces. Of course, this creates an environment for rust and corrosion to occur, especially in long storage periods. So we don't see any benefit in the increased alcohol, especially in boating applications. Again, the E15 is not a federal mandate. It's a voluntary issue. So we're seeing a lot of people trying to stray away from it. Well, Jason, thanks for your question. And Mark, thanks for an awesome answer. I guess, Aaron, the only way to add to that is if you're 15% dead, you are still dead. More Bass Edge right after this. Two fishermen came together with one agenda. To construct bass boats superior in design and build with a flawless finish. With our boats exhilarating handling and smooth ride, extreme rough water just doesn't exist. We're not just building a boat, we're building a legend. Legend Boats. I am Marcus Sikora, FLW All-American Champion. You're dialed into Bass Edge Radio. All right, we got us a newbie to Bass Edge today. This guy is probably the most famous Canadian angler on the planet. He's got a variety of roles in the bass fishing industry, and today I'm going to try and figure out what he really wants to do when he grows up. A uh, big Bass Edge welcome to Facts of Fishing host and BASS MC Dave Mercer. Welcome to the show. I don't know if I want to be here anymore. After that intro, I feel, I feel like I might lose my job here. <laughs> no, really, the truth of the matter is just because of who you're talking to, Dave. I mean, we are, seriously, we are stoked you could make some time in that crazy schedule of yours. And we're going to talk certainly more about that. But to visit with us here on Bass Edge Radio, I know you're involved in so many activities. And for our audience that really might not know some of your background, can you kind of give us the 30,000-foot view of what's going on in the world of Dave Mercer? Well, it, it all depends on the day of the week, basically. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I basically grew up just like everybody, just like you guys, you know, obsessed with the sport of fishing. It's all I've ever wanted to do. At 13 years old, I remember telling my guidance counselor, I want to fish for a living, and they kind of laughed at me. And, you know, at 14 years old, I entered a tournament, won 400 bucks, figured I was loaded, and that's all I did the whole way through school was fish tournaments but after school I was like wow I gotta become an adult which didn't take very well for me so one thing led to another competed in tournaments then got into uh, the TV end of things because the two things I've always loved in my entire life is fishing and then the entertaining end of things and having fun so I started doing 60 second fishing tips when I first started then that evolved into a DVD series with Bass Pro I started a television show called Facts of Fishing which now airs in Canada United States on Outdoor Channel and in 170 74 other countries on uh, ESPN International. And, you know, the weirdest thing of all this time, it, every year I would go to the Bassmaster Classic and I would watch the weigh-in. I bet you I'd been to 10 classics before I ever worked at one. And, you know, I'd be working for sponsors and stuff at the Classic Expo. And every year I'd be like, man, because at one point in my life, really just stopped focusing on tournaments and focused more on TV. And I was like, I feel like I missed something not getting to the Classic or being able to compete in it. So, you know, I was like, you know, I'd love to host that one day. But it was like such a pipe dream. It's like a stand-up comic saying to somebody, you know, I'd really love to host that Tonight Show one day. 
I mean, <laughs> it's not like they often hire at the Tonight Show. And the same thing with the Bassmaster Classic. So through a fluky turn of events, I ended up hosting that. So, I mean, I'm one of those lucky guys I always tell people that literally has my dream job, not just once, but several dream jobs, which unfortunately makes my travel schedule a bit of a nightmare. But uh, I love every day of it. What a story. And obviously your guidance counselor must have given you a scholarship to maturity because whatever he told you didn't work because you did it anyway, right? No, the funny thing is that dude called me back a few years ago <laughs> asking to speak at the school, but I was busy. <laughs> <laughs> no question. So 176 countries, man, TV show. I don't know how many languages you speak, but that's got to take up some time translating all that. I speak one, but I guess there's somebody who closed captions it or something. Because uh, <laughs> I mean, that's the cool thing about Facebook and stuff like that. You know, I'll all of a sudden start getting these messages from Australia or something like that. And I'll be like, why am I getting so many messages from Australia? And then I found out a while ago, oh, they had a fax and fishing marathon on Sunday morning in Australia. And I'm like, wow, I've never been to Australia, but uh, it really is cool. Well, good deal. Well, uh, you know, one question, being in not only the entertainment and education part of it, like you are, Dave, but then you take that over to the BASS MC that you brought up. It's a challenge because when you were birthed out of the sport and love the sport and are passionate about the sport, how do you present the anglers so that you're getting the education and you're getting the scoop out of them, but you're not also infringing upon, you know, because you are a passionate angler that possibly friends with a lot of these guys. Yeah, I mean, I consider myself very lucky to be friends with most of the guys. Let me just clarify what I think my job is with Bass, you know, because one of the things you said there is getting the scoop out of the guys. And I don't really think that that is my job. It's my job to help them get their message out there. They have a very tough job. Think about it in compared to other sports. I mean, other sports, they go do their job on the field and maybe they talk to the media, maybe they don't talk to the media. In our sport, no matter whether you catch me, don't catch him, you got to cross that stage. I mean, it's a fickle, horrible sport if you break it down. You get across that stage and that's when the sponsors, the people that are paying you, you know, that's when they really want to get their juice, you know. So you have to smile and give a big thumbs up and get your message out. So it's my job to help them get their message out. And that's basically all that I do. And I have several little rules. I mean, number one, I have the easiest MC job in the world because I work with the best anglers in the world, the most polished, most professional anglers there is, in my opinion. And it's a lot tougher when you're working with people that don't want to talk. So when I have guys cross the stage, they generally want to talk and it's very easy. But I have several small little rules. I mean, number one, I don't joke around that much on the stage, really. I mean, I'll joke around about myself or stuff. But I mean, when somebody doesn't catch them at the Bassmaster Classic, it's really easy for me to make a joke and go scorecard on them right away. And that's way too easy. But to me, as an angler, I know that that's not funny to that angler at the time. So I try never to, you know, make fun of the angler unless they're part of the joke and they're in on it. And my basic rule is I'm there just to try and elevate their status, so to speak. No different than the dude that introduced Johnny Carson. You know what I mean? He could have just said, well, here's Johnny Carson, but he didn't. He said, here's Johnny, had fun with it. And every once in a while, I'll get some like Bass Slayer 782 on a chat board say, hey, this is a bass term. You introduce these guys like, you know, you get too excited and stuff like that. And I'm like, but I kind of think of if I had made that classic or whatever, that's what I would want. You know what I mean? That These guys are, whether you've qualified for the Elite Series or you're fishing the Bass Master Classic, they are heroes in our sport. And that's how I try to introduce them. I mean, it really is a ton of fun, that job. But believe it or not, it's probably the job I take most seriously that of all the jobs that I do just because of the reverence I have for the anglers and for the sport and for the history of bass. 
Well, Dave, there's no doubt. I mean, you do a great job with keeping that enthusiasm up, whether sometimes you're having fun or, like you said, you're trying to take it super serious because it is serious for the anglers. And, you know, it seems like you have that balancing act set up really well for both, you know, your position and the angler's position and, of course, BASS. So, uh, I mean, I, I got to tell you, I appreciate everything that you do out there and, and keep the fans involved and keep everybody interested and kind of bringing the best out in me. So uh, I think that's a pretty cool deal. Last couple of weeks ago when we were at Chickamauga, you got Chickamauga, by the way, just just I want to stop you right there. It is Chickamauga. I learned something very important at that tournament. If you want to learn how to say a word right, just go in on a stage and say it wrong in front of that community. People will let you know. And every angler said it wrong, too. But I guess I just got to say it a lot. So uh, there was actually an article in the local newspaper about how bad I was saying the name. So it is Chickamauga. Chickamauga. Very good. Thank you for that, because I only had to say it twice, so you had to say it like five million times, so yes. good to know. You know, we had some text going back and forth while we were down there, and we talked a little bit about multitasking. You know, I was kind of working with you to hook this up. You know, I'm practicing for a Bass Fest, and there's a lot of things that as anglers, as TV hosts, as MCs, as, as people in this fishing industry that we have to juggle in order to, uh, you know, just kind of make ends meet and make it our livelihood. So you've seen the industry in so many levels as a tournament angler, as a guy behind the scenes and the TV shows and with these big tournament organizations. How would you direct a young college student that's an up-and-coming angler to diversify in an attempt to have a bass fishing career? Well, first of all, I mean, the coolest thing about that whole deal right now, and, and it amazes me, I mean, I was lucky to MC one of the regional college events that, that we had at Chickamauga while you guys were competing in Bass Fest. And it blows me away that the opportunity that those guys have right now, being able to fish collegiately and qualify for the Bass Master Classic, it's just amazing. A lot of us probably would have been a lot smarter if those opportunities were around when we were kids. But if you had to key on certain things, first of all, I mean, the number one thing that I can give anybody any bit of advice, whether you're a TV show host, a tournament angler, or whatever you are doing in this industry, is under-promise and over-deliver. It's a simple little thing, but there's a lot of people in the whole world, not just the fishing world, but in the fishing world especially, I've noticed a lot of people that over-promise and under-deliver. But you got to under-promise and over-deliver. Tell them what you're going to do, but always keep a little extra, you know, because there's nothing better for you at the end of the year if you can go back to the company that you work with and say, hey, remember we said we were going to do this, this, and this? Well, I actually did all of this on top of that. That makes them happy. That makes you happy. And it keeps you secure. But the other thing I want to let kids know when they get into this is you guys, specifically tournament anglers, I would not trade. I get people all the time say, you go to the Elite Series, man, you must miss it, man. You must. How bad do you want to fish the Elite Series? I'm going to tell you right now. I mean, maybe I'm a weirdo, but I wouldn't trade places with you guys for all the marbles because yeah. it, if somebody said, hey, you can be Kevin Van Dam, I'd be like, well, maybe I'll try that for a little while. But other than that, I mean, you guys are the hardest working people there is out there. I mean, and I don't think people fathom what you guys do on a weekly basis. And I honestly, at one point, probably didn't fathom it myself until, you know, I started watching things happen, you know, like 
like a few weeks ago, you know, Keith Combs goes out and wins his third Toyota Texas Bass Classic. Pretty big deal. I'm thinking in your career, you know, not only just won his third, but with 110 pounds for three days. That's pretty awesome. And I'm thinking if, if I'm a kid, you know, that collegiate kid that one day, at that point, you're probably thinking, wow, what do I do that night? Well, I party, right? Wrong. He got in his car and drove to Dardanelle that night and started right. pre-fishing the next morning. You better be ready to work. You know, so that those are the two things. And one of them is just something that I think is smart in life, and that is the under-promise and over-deliver. And then the other one is just a bit of a reality check because everybody thinks that yourself and even the king of the castle, Kevin Van Dam, I mean, that dude never, ever stops. It's not like other sports. When you're doing a Facebook update, generally you're doing it yourself. People seem to think you have these magic fairies that... Oh, I, I talked to you on Facebook, but I'm sure it wasn't you. Uh, no, it was. Believe me, I'm not near successful enough to have people to do those things for me. Well, well, that, that is so true. And I get the same thing. You know, when I come back home to Del Rio, you know, I've been on the road for seven weeks and I get back home and I'm home for like three or four days and I maybe walk into town or something. And the first, you know, three or four questions, how's the lake fishing? You know, and I'm like, dude, I, I don't know. I just got back home. Well, haven't you been home for like four or five days? I'm like, well, yeah, but I got go through the mail. I got to make sure the lawn's good. I got to do this. You know, there's so many different things that uh, people just don't realize. I think you, you bring up a great point, Dave. And uh, it, it is amazing. You know, you got to have a huge passion for this sport to be involved at this level that Dave's involved, that Aaron's involved, that I'm involved in, in all the anglers and different folks inside this industry. And, uh, you know, that's what makes it spin, though. If we didn't love it, if we weren't just completely obsessed by it, certainly we probably wouldn't do it. Well, and you just said a key, if you ask me, it's love. Honestly, it is. Everybody I know that is successful in this business at any level, whether it's TV shows, tournaments, it doesn't matter, whether they're a tackle manufacturer, they absolutely love it. They don't like it. They don't think it's cool. They're not in it to become, you know, Kevin Van Dam didn't become Kevin Van Dam because he thought, hey, I could be Jimmy so-and-so's record. <laughs> right, he right. loved fishing. He loved the sport of fishing and is obsessed by it. And, you know, another guy who I use as an example all the time that I see, you know, Al Linder, that dude has accomplished everything there is to accomplish in the sport of fishing. And do you know what that dude does when he's got free time? He goes fishing. He's obsessed by the sport of fishing. And you see that. And there is people in this industry that you don't see that with. And it seems like they like fishing, but they also really kind of like to play golf or do whatever. And I see a pattern with the people that are just obsessed by the sport and eating up by it. They just seem to get a lot more successful because you have to be. Because the amount of work that you have to put in to make it in this sport is you need to love it. You need to, well, be, it's, you need uh, to be all you think about. No question. It's a lifestyle, Dave. I mean, that's really what it is. And it runs in your blood. I mean, there's no way else to describe it. And I want to shift gears here just quickly before we head into the break, because I, I do think your wealth of information on the tactics and what makes a good angler and how to actually go out and catch those fish. But one thing that, that there is a I have a no little... idea how good you are for my ego. I mean, you said so <laughs> many. I'm, I'm just going to download this and put it on my iPod and just listen to it when my family talks. 
talks to me about how I really am. Well, yeah, we, can, we can go ahead and just do one every 15 days. You know, it'll be <laughs> a Mercer episode 190, 191, 192. We'll keep it going for you. We got the, well, Swindle's got the PMA. We'll just keep flushing you with PMA. <laughs> I can make some ringtones for you if you want, Dave. That would be wonderful. Uh, well, you, you know, one of the things that is a little bit unique, and we experienced some of the frozen tundra via our winter and these crazy weather patterns that we've been having. But, you know, ice out is, who knows, it's probably just over up in Canada. But what are the fish doing there this time of year? And, you know, how do or do they the fish behavior differ in Canadian waters versus some of the waters that you've been on in the U.S.? You know, the thing about Canadian waters that I think is very, very unique, number one, the best thing about Canadian waters is our fish are dumb as rocks, which is why I get along with them good. They're not very (laughs) smart fish. And the reason for that is because six months of the year, a lot of our bodies of water are covered with ice, so they don't get a lot of pressure. And they also go into kind of a dormant stage where they kind of just sit there and they just, they feed a little bit, but they're not living. They're just Kind of like the people up here, just like me when I'm here. I mean, you're not really living in the winter. You just kind of wait until it gets nice. You just exist in the winter, right? <laughs> exactly. But I have also realized from the time I've spent in the South, as much as I've spent over the last five years, they have winter in the States, too. It's just not winter. It's summer. I mean, in Del Rio, what do people do in August? Yeah, it's, it's definitely a little slower. You kind of get out and fish from <laughs> 5 to 10 and then exit left off the water to come into the AC. So you're exactly... Exactly right. We're existing in that time frame. Yeah, but basically our fish, for the six months or so that the ice is off the water, our fish do the exact same things U.S. fish. The difference is it's a lot quicker. And what I mean by that is spring seems to be a lot longer spread out bite. Guys will say, oh, they're on, you know, it's typical spring fishing or they're in a summer pattern. It's just a lot longer. We have all those seasons, except it's very condensed. So the spawn, when it happens, it's happening everywhere and it it's a very small window where the spawn in Florida might be four months long. The spawn here is basically that one window. One month, maybe two months, you know, you'll see stragglers. But you have one big push that happens around the full moon, just like down there. But it's just everything's not as spread out. The other thing with a lot of our lakes is we have a lot of grass in our lake. If you like fishing weed, this is where you need to be fishing. So that's where I would compare our lakes a lot to. We don't have as many of the rocky reservoirs as you guys are fishing. Most of our lakes have a ton of natural grass and most of our lakes are very natural. So it's pretty much the same and and this winter it sucked everywhere but it it sucked a little more here. I think. (laughs) I told people like where I live, you know, people say, oh Canada, it's an igloo. Where I live, believe it or not, I mean, I'm pretty close to Toronto. We generally have breaks. You know, we'll get snow, then it'll go away for a few weeks. We'll get snow and go away for a few weeks. This winter we got snow in, I believe, early November, and that snow did not go away until sometime in April. So it was, uh, I mean, there was a suicide watch on a lot of people, and uh, it was definitely one of the years I was thankful for my uh, Help a Canadian program, which means I go work for Bass every once in a while. And right. Well, I tell you, we're going to take a quick break, but first, real quick, I heard this crazy stat before that 90% of the Canadian population lives within 100 miles of the northern U.S. border. Is, is that true? That is 100% true. If you drove north of where those people live, you would realize why they live there. I'm sure, I'm sure. I thought that was a pretty cool stat. Anyway, Dave, we need to take a quick, short timeout. Dave Mercer will be right back with us here on Bass Edge Radio. Oh, 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 oh. 
Eventually, it's going to happen. You'll turn the key and your engine won't start. Don't lose your ability to get around. Visit O'Reilly Auto Parts for a super start battery. Whether it's a reliable economy, hardworking premium, or powerful extreme, you'll find it at an everyday low price. Don't let a dead battery slow you down. Visit O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Edge Radio returns with Facts of Fishing TV host and BASS MC Dave Mercer in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Lucas Oil high-performance marine products from real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements. Visit them at lucasoil.com. It works. All right, Dave. Now uh, we're past the break. Kurt and I have this rule. You know, he kind of keeps me uh, in the dark with the muzzle on me. I can't actually be myself until after for all new guests to really show who I am. So now the gloves come off. You but got- I liked you up till now. <laughs> no, it's all good, man. But hey, in all seriousness, dude, you've got a Wikipedia page. What the heck? I have no idea how I got a Wikipedia page, to be honest. I have never put anything on that Wikipedia page. Actually, ironically, there's something on there. I don't know what it is anymore, but somebody pointed out and it's wrong. And I was like, can someone show me how to get that fixed? And I haven't even figured that out. <laughs> how do well, you gotta- get a Wikipedia page? I don't know, but you know, you got to be somebody super important. I got to say, our audience obviously, generally, is uh, U.S. based. Um, although we love the Canadians, of course, and everybody in the U.S. loves Canadians. Let's take a look at some famous Canadians. We got Avril Lavigne, Jim Carrey, Justin Bieber, Celine Dion, and my personal favorite. Pamela Anderson. Who knew? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's quite the smattering of famous Canadians. Yeah, man. I They're all, they all cool. live on my street. Oh, <laughs> they all live on the same street, one mile above the U.S. line. <laughs> yeah, something right. like that. Well, Dave, obviously, being from Canada, I know you get plenty of opportunities to catch giant smallies, and, and you travel a ton, fish lakes all over the U.S. and Canada. If you had to choose one, and you can only choose one, do you prefer catching larges or smallies, and why? I'm going to have to go smallies. Yeah, and the weird thing is, believe it or not, nobody even knows this. The lake I grew up fishing on and, and you know, could cast a lure to right now from where I'm sitting is Lake Scugog, which is basically a little mini Lake Okeechobee. It is a weed-choked, forage-rich, you know, largemouth bass fishery. And I was much more of a largemouth bass fisherman when I started, and then as tournaments evolved and, and Lake Erie seemed to be the place you know, where a lot of big tournaments were going, uh, you know, started fishing smallmouth. And there's something about smallmouth with me. And I, and I think it's just a personal thing. But that being said, you know, after I've checked on smallmouth for a month or so, I'm always like, you know, I'd love to go somewhere and flip. And if I had to choose one, if you put a gun against my head and said, you got to choose one, I'd definitely go smallmouth. But it's a very difficult choice. I'm with you, brother. I mean, I think there's nothing better. And, of course, you know, being in the Midwest, the smallmouth are not quite the giants <laughs> that, that you experience. But, man, pound for pound, you know, it's it's the old cliche, nothing fights like a brownie. Kind of tacking on to what you just said there, what are three lures that, quite honestly, you're going to have tied on regardless when you're targeting the smallmouth? That's pretty simple. Number one, got to have a tube jig. 
Right. Nobody's ever going to argue with that. I mean, you have to have a tube jig. Number two, I'm going to go with a drop shot bait. A bait that everybody throws a lot is uh, a jackal crosstail shad. I don't think there's a better drop shot bait out there. And then number three, I'm going to go with a jerk bait. There's a bunch of different brands you could use, but uh, you know the ones that I use are the live target jerk bait. They've got several pretty incredible ones. Their new bait ball series, and they've got something coming out of the iCast that is where I wanted the bait ball to be a really Originally, and this is pretty awesome. So I've been throwing that, you know, for the last six months and, you know, the fall last year and then spring this year. It's been dynamite. So a jerkbait, a tube, and a drop shot, you can't go wrong. Those sound like three guaranteed success rates for me. But Dave, real quick, we're going to get to the O'Reilly Auto Parts listener question here in a quick second. I can't wait for the O'Reilly Auto Parts dude, listener it, question. It's my favorite part. It is. It is. It's a favorite part of the listeners, too. You know, they get paid back for being a part of the show. It's so cool. But anyway, I, I got to ask you this question, and, and I need a quick answer from you. Basically, you know, MC in every event, you, you see what's going on in the water. You kind of get the lowdown. You, you see the behind the scenes of the anglers. What makes an angler different that consistently makes the classic versus ones that don't? Confidence. It's 100% in their head. I honestly believe that. There's a lot of reasons. I mean, but the two most important things that I see uh, on the Elite Series or work ethic and confidence. You take somebody that has a good work ethic, they'll find themselves some fish, but if they lack in confidence, that's when you see them start to crumble. And, and a lot of times, from the unique seat that I get watching guys compete, I mean, you never call somebody out on it, but there's a lot of times with me and James Overstreet, who spend a lot of time right beside each other covering the events, we'll say, oh boy, he's not feeling good or, you know, his day's going down, you know. So confidence and work ethic, you know, you take a, a young phenom like Brandon Polnick. There's a reason that he's a young phenom. I'll talk to him at any time throughout the year and I'll be like, where are you? I'm on Lake Gunnersville. I'm here. I'm there. He's like, Dude is on the water nonstop. So, you know, work ethic and confidence. Awesome. It's interesting. You can actually see somebody crumble, even though you're a hundred yards away, you can see that confidence fade or that different thing you were talking about with you and Overstreet. That's interesting. Interesting. Very telling. It, it, but a lot of it's because you get used to watching the person, how their mannerisms are. And you, right. just as simple as how somebody lifts their trolling motor, you can see how their day's going. And yeah, you're like, yeah. oh boy, things are yeah. starting to unravel. That's interesting. Uh, definitely a view many folks do not get to see. So I appreciate your insight on that. And as you wish, it is time for the O'Reilly Auto Parts, the professional parts people, listener question. Dave, we give away a $100 gift card from O'Reilly Auto Parts during each episode and you I get a hundred dollar gift card we give one away you get to answer the question oh okay, okay. Get the gift card. yes so I thought since you're part of Shimano Pro Staff we could direct this question directly to you and Alan from Blakesley PA asks I just purchased my first bait caster reel I want to use braided line it is a wiffle reel and I want to tie braided line right to the reel using the holes everyone seems to have a different opinions on this or that maybe you should use mono first and then tie them together. What do you think? Well, Alan, let me tell you what I think. I think that I know several people that do tie directly to the wiffle spools, and I know several people that actually don't even tie. They just run their line through there, start reeling, and it will connect. I do what I've always done because it has never messed up on me. And basically that is I'll put some mono or fluorocarbon on first. Two reasons. Number one, braid will slip on your spool. Now, I think with the wiffle spool, it's less likely to have that happen. But if you've ever had it happen once, I remember people told me about it, and I was 
like, yeah, mine never slips. Mine never slips. And then, you know, I started setting hook on fish. And for some reason, you know, I'm like, my drag's fine, but I, I can't get any meat. <laughs> and what ended up happening was my line was spinning on that spool, actually. So what I'll do is I'll just, I'll put on a little bit of fluorocarbon or monofilament. I have, you know, cheap spools of line that I keep around the shop. I'll spool that up, you know, and then I'll put the braid on top of it. Two reasons. It doesn't slip, and you also save yourself a bunch of braid. You're never going to get down to the bottom of that braid, so why use your spool? I mean, you buy one spool of Power Pro, and you can spool up two or three reels by doing it this way as opposed to just one. Good advice there, because otherwise you're going to have, a what, a 1,000 yards on your baitcaster. That's right, and there's no need to do it. <laughs> Great answer, Dave. Hey, Alan, thanks for sending in your question to Bass Edge. One other step we need you to do, though. You've got to be sure to send us an email letting us know you heard your question answered on the show by the man, Dave Mercer, to redeem your $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. If oh, Alan ahead, does not send the email, does that mean I get the $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card? It I, automatically I, defaults to you, Dave. What do you think, Kurt? Yeah, I, I like that idea because I could use a couple hundred dollar gift cards myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bass Edge listeners, we appreciate, of course, all the feedback and encourage you to continue submitting these questions via our Facebook page and Twitter handle at Bass Edge or through our email, support at BassEdge.com. And please always remember to include your name and hometown. Hey, Dave, just want to extend our uh, really a big thank you from all of us here at Bass Edge, our listeners. We've been wanting to have you on the show for a long time, but before we do the closing comments, you got to promise that you're going to come back. Wealth of information, a lot of fun. You fit in perfect with Bass Edge Nation, but before we let you go, any closing thoughts or final words for the audience that's out there? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, and, and honestly, I say this at every interview I, I do, that you know, I gladly come back. And usually, it's just something I say, but I really did have a good time with you guys, so <laughs> I, I really would love to come back anytime we can do it. And as far as closing words, I mean, uh, I don't really have, I mean, hey, I hope to see you guys on the road, I guess. I mean, uh, and here's my closing words. You know, I, I get all these Facebook and Twitter and stuff messages that people will say, hey, I saw you here, but I didn't want to bother you. If you see me somewhere, come say hi, because that's what it's all about. So uh, thanks for all the support. Thanks for having me on here. And uh, I hope to see all of the Bass Edge listeners on the road. That's awesome. Dave, I appreciate all your kind words. And it was just fun hanging out today, man. I look forward to seeing you again on the road soon. Bass Edge Radio, we'll be right back. Now you can order Bass Edge Season 3 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing as host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Denny Brower, Boyd Duckett, Randy Howell, and Dave Wolak. This two-disc set includes all 13 episodes. That's over 10 hours of Bass Edge, including interviews, bloopers, and highlights, all for just $19.95. Order online at BassEdge.com. And be sure to check out previously released DVDs like Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 and Electronics 101. Bass Edge, Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com. I love how we always continue to push the envelope. 
Dave Mercer, certainly no disappointment with regards to his sheer experience, involvement in the sport, and then also his knowledge with regards to catching bass. Yeah, man, you know, it's totally unbelievable, Aaron. You take the passion for fishing, and where it leads you, you never really know. The cool thing is that you just let it evolve, and Dave has evolved tremendously. You know, he talked about his early love and passion, which all of us have. You have to have it to uh, do the things that we do to enjoy the sport and make it a financial living from it. And Dave's just intimate knowledge within the industry, intimate knowledge with catching bass. You know, we see it on his Facts of Fishing show all the time, which I love. Everybody, please check that out. And then, of course, the emceeing with BASS competition. You know, he gets to see so many things up close that the crowd at home, they don't get that inside edge, man. Dave checks it all out. He's been a phenomenal piece of knowledge for Bass Edge Radio, and I look forward to having him back. Absolutely. And talking about phenomenal pieces of information for Bass Edge to have, fasten your seatbelts because another heavy hitter for our July 15th episode. Again, not going to throw the name out there. I want to keep you in suspense, but I can promise you, you will want to listen to that upcoming episode several times. Until next time, I am Aaron Martin for Kurt Dove and the rest of the Bass Edge family. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you July 15th. So long, everybody, and a happy 4th of July. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard keel protectors. The Edge is presented by KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil Products, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.